This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. We're the Menchwarmers. I'm Jamie. I'm here with my co-host Gabe. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? Happy Hanukkah. Yeah, it is pretty much Hanukkah. When you're listening to this, it should be Hanukkah. Uh, hopefully everyone gets a chance to recommend this to your friends and relatives around the, the Hanukkah, uh, around the Hanukkah table, around a plate of latkes. I don't know what are, what we do around uh, Hanukkah, around the Sufganiyot. We're, we're good. I think Hanukkah is just around the menorah, maybe around the Hanukkah, yeah. as you said. I, I'm excited as it is my two and a half year old son's favorite holiday um, because sure. there are candles. Um, yeah. You know, I think, you know, traditionally in Judaism, they say that Shabbat is the holiest day of the year and it happens every week in comparison to all of the other ca- the holidays. For my son, Shabbat is the greatest holiday of the week of the year, as well as Hanukkah, because there are candles be- involved. Um, any sort of uh. flickering light is really what takes a two-year-old to the next level. Um, and for him, Shabbat and Hanukkah are one and two in terms of the best Jewish holidays. Sure. So it's here. Yeah, Hanukkah is here. I'm very excited. Um, we wanted to take the opportunity to sort of do a little bit of a year-end wrap-up. Talk about, you know, eight uh, eight crazy Jewish sports stories from the year. Maybe not crazy, but I, eight, one, one, one story for each you know, night. At of, the beginning of, of this year, Jamie and I sat down and we said we would be very happy with one notable Jewish sports story. <laughs> and at the end of the year, we have eight. Right, uh, right. We only thought we would have enough content for one podcast, but instead uh, we had many more. Um, but before that, we should just go through some uh, Jewish sports news of the week, uh, the last few weeks that, that's been going on. I, I was very sad last week because I was really uh, concerned that Gene Simmons had died. Uh, but it turned out it wasn't the Kiss singer who had died. It was actually Henry Kissinger. Uh, so everyone rejoiced. Everyone had a real good good time on the internet with that. Uh, yeah, no love lost here for Kissinger. I, I think it's worth mentioning. He, he had some real interesting sports connections that are like, I guess, just what happens when you're one of the most influential Americans of the last hundred years. Yeah, and you I think live hundred years. His presence ever matters. Again, I, I being the the TV-addled brain rot millennial, could only think of it is I, the man who drafted the Paris Peace Accords. No one can know that I lost my glasses in the toilet. Yes, of course, referencing his uh, his brief turn as a Simpsons character. Uh, but there were a few. First of all, I mean, establishing their bona fides. As the as the evil empire sports, of course, the the New York Yankees issued a, a press statement <laughs> regarding his passing. Uh, uh, he was a lifelong friend of the Yankees organization, I guess, and and I a guess? friend of the Steinbrenner family. Like again, like all of this tracks, uh, I feel you know, like, for a man. I feel like the Steinbrenners would be like, "This guy's notable. Let's invite him to a Yankees game," and then he's yeah. a Yankee. People also uh, also pointed out on on Twitter that somehow he was made an honorary member of the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> Uh, yes. Back in the 70s, I, I can only assume some sort of friendship with uh, Abe Saperstein or something like that, that led to that. Uh, I, you would pe- hope, hope it wasn't them saying like, wouldn't it be funny if this old Jewish man played basketball? Yeah, I mean, that is sort of funny. I, and I think he'd probably be the last person you'd put in, uh, uh, put on the Globetrotters in terms of making things happen. 
And then the last thing I wanted to mention no, he, is that he can actually do a backflip 360 dunk. That's why they put him maybe, on it. May, yeah, maybe maybe he was more spry back in his uh, his early days. But he was also an incredibly influential person in the growth of U.S. soccer. Uh, he was the chairman of, of the North American Soccer League board of directors uh, back in the 70s as well, like post White House. So again, I don't know how this how this uh, you know veritable Zalik fig- figured into sports as much as he did. Uh, given that he was this like, you know, stumpy little, uh, academic, but, uh, yeah, Kissinger is dead. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we're honoring his sports legacy so much as we are mentioning it. Well, I think um, we're mentioning it. I think, I think he's a notable Jew that maybe watched a sports game notably. Right. Uh, in terms of someone, someone who passed, who I think should be remembered fondly. Uh, we did want to talk briefly about, about George Cohen. Um, he was, you know, very influential Canadian American businessman. He he brought McDonald's to Canada. Like I think that's that's probably the first line of his obituary. And um, sort of an an icon of the Canadian Jewish scene. Um, George is relevant to us for a number of reasons. The particular one, as we talked about in this podcast, is you know, and I'm going to ask Jamie this question. Um, George Cohen is notable for suing the Rosedale Golf Club for its anti-Jewish yeah. uh, policy. Um, I know you might know the answer to this question, but what year do you think this happened? I mean, I know the answer to this. It, it's it, the, but the, but the only answer that's acceptable is much later than you would like, right? Yes. He he took it to court. I, I think it was like two thousand two, two thousand two thousand four. He took it to court. So well, okay, so that's probably when the case was heard. So yeah, that makes sense. That he probably would have brought the action a few years earlier. Oh, that's um, oh oh, and we're too Jewish of a podcast. That's Jamie doing his <laughs> lawyer talk corner. Yeah, that's right. Um. Anyways, I mean, you know, that's I, I actually as a as a lawyer and member of uh, the Ontario Bar, I could look up when the case was brought if I wanted to, but I'm not going to right now. Uh, anyways, he did sue, I guess, to get into the Rosedale Golf Club. And based on what I read in some of the obituaries, you know, remained a happy member. And I think is, he, he had a magnanimous approach to it, just saying, like, you know, that might have been an element of the club before, but that wasn't the people he played with or, or he knew <laughs> there. Um, and I hope that it's continued to progress i have no idea no one has ever mentioned no jew has ever mentioned to me being a member of rosedale uh if you're out there and a member of the rosedale golf club it is my understanding and want to tell us what it's like these days let us know it is my understanding that that george and his son mark the commissioner of the cfl for a while um to relevant sports actually did join the club um yeah they did and were were the first jewish uh, uh members of that club so you know if if any other jewish members of the rosedale want to talk about it we are all ears uh, moving on to a few news items from the world of college football. Um, you know, the season just sort of wrapped up. The playoffs are coming up uh, around New Year's and, and the bowl games will all be going on this year. You know, there's a, there's a few Christmas-themed bowls, but there's never been a Hanukkah-themed uh, theme bowl. So maybe if we can get a sponsorship sponsor together someday, we can do like the Matzah Bowl. Yeah, the Matzah uh, Bowl would be good. The, the Mench Warmers Bowl, you know, the Mench sure, Bowl. Uh, yeah. uh, we can have Northwestern play Brandeis in the Mench Bowl. Yeah. Um, you know that that or or NYU play Brandeis, just two traditionally Jewish schools like the Harvard Yale Definitely. game. Uh, but one of the most I'm going to say surprising things I've I've certainly read about or, or it, thought yes, about in I, our time I, covering you, Jews and sports. Before you say year. what this is, I think we talk a lot on the show about Mike Jacobs All Stars. Um, I right. think this would qualify as the Mike Jacobs All Stars of uh football positions. Just generally, <laughs> it's not just somebody's name; the whole concept. That Jamie is about to tell you guys is a Mike Jacobs All Star, just to begin with. Yeah, so Brigham Young University, which if you know anything about it, you'll know that it's a Mormon university. 
uh, had a Jewish starting quarterback this year. Truly, How this truly happens? There's, there's a guy on TikTok who goes around uh, asking BYU students if they would rather have $5 million or five minutes with uh, right. with Mormon uh, uh, prophet, Joseph Smith. Um, <laughs> right. And the majority of people take Joseph Smith. I think that Jake Retzlaff, the name of the yep. quarterback, would answer differently. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems bizarre to me that non-Mormons go to BYU in the first place. Uh, I guess for sports purposes, there's some non-Mormons who, who joined because, so, you know, it's Division One basketball and football. We, we could get deep on this, but I think the Mormons sort of like the Jews and Zionism almost to the point of like a fetishization. Yeah, I think there's some of that. I don't know exactly. The, like, I can't speak to it directly enough because I, I, I really, I, I don't even know if I've ever met a Mormon. Uh, you know, we don't <laughs> really see a lot of them over I, here. I don't have much experience either. All I know is that you travel to Utah. I've been to Utah. You think, you know, you don't expect to see polygamist families. And then you do. You're walking down the street and then there's some sister wives in matching dresses and you go, oh, that's Utah. Um, yeah. When it when it comes to, to Rhett's laugh, as we mentioned earlier, I, I dug a little bit into this. I did some research. There are currently five Jewish students at BYU. BYU is a school of wow. 32,000 people. There are five wow. Jewish students. Um, I know this because the University of Utah has a Hillel chapter that publishes okay. an update. But on, that's like, a, yeah, Utah is like a public school. Utah's like a public school. Like it's more, I don't know. I assume there's more Jews there. It I has agree. A and like, and yeah. the BYO Jewish students are technically part of the University of Utah Jewish uh, Hillel campus. So there are five Jewish BYU students and three of them are attendees of the law school. So wow. if you actually want to go <laughs> deep into it, there are two Jewish BYU students, one of whom is Jake Retzlaff. Wow. We're not well, done. He started. It, go, it goes even further. We talked earlier about, you know, I sort of mentioned there might be a bit of a, a fetishization here. I think the team, which like the rest of the school is 99% Mormon, somewhat viewed Jake as a bit of a oddity. Um, mm -hmm. So this year for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the coach of BYO football, whose name escapes me, hired a kosher caterer to bring in a Rosh Hashanah meal for all oh, of the nice. players in honor of Jake Retzlaff. Well, that's um, nice of them. I, I know it is nice of them, but it's, it's you know, a little bit surprising and perhaps maybe over the top. Um, you know, he does say he is he is was, is a proud Reformed Jew and, and, you know, he belongs to a synagogue and is relatively observant. Um, but I think that's like, that's, I feel like if you're the only Jew at a party and everyone comes and is like, muzzle tov to every single thing you say or do you'd feel a right. little bit uh, weirder um you know just as as you know to continue the story um i found an article from sort of a a a western american jewish newspaper where they interviewed the uh rabbi of congregation kolami in salt lake city a guy named sam specter and sam specter's okay. first you know comment on hearing about jake retzlaff was you know jake he said this to jake you know, Jake, I've always thought BYU needed more Jewish quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> and, and now they've got many. To make it even funnier, um, you know, Jake's competition for the job was a 22-year-old who just got back from his missionary work. You know, he left in the middle to do his Mormon prolestatizing, uh, a boy named Cade Finnegan. 
And now that yeah, BYU he, often has the advantage of like of suiting up like twenty six year olds because they've all done like three or four years of mission work. Exactly. So, so Retzlaff is a is like the rare like you know twenty one year old junior or whatever. Like it's rare for BYU to even have someone that young. Um, but anyways, we'll see what happens with him if he if he plays for BYU next year if he gets a shot at the starting gig. Uh, you know, after injury, he filled in. So we'll see what happens next year. Um, talking about another Jewish pivot, we wanted to mention that, uh, unfortunately, JT Daniels, uh, quarterback this year, this past year at Rice University, uh, has announced his retirement from football. Uh, he was medically retired. He had multiple concussions during this year should, and, and decided to retire should rather we, than should we call it an NFL career. You know, it's not Passover. Should we call it Kidney Oat University? <laughs> uh, you know, he had had a really... Uh, promising young career. He started off at USC. He transferred to Georgia, where he sort of lost out on the starting job to Stetson Bennett, who ultimately uh, won a national championship at Georgia, um, and transferred again to West Virginia, and then and then finally to Rice. Very weird thing where he, he played in six six seasons. Like I think for people who had some idea of him, it would be like, wasn't he a prospect a long time ago? It's like, yeah, he graduated high school in 2017, I guess, or 2018. Like, it's a long time to be uh, to be in the pros, or sorry, in, in the college, uh, in mm. the high ranks in college. So, we'll, you know, we'll keep an eye on JT. Hopefully he he has some success with coaching. Uh, we'll see what, what's in, in store for him. You know, he's, he's a smart guy. Um, obviously, hopefully he's gone to some class in the last six years of, of being <laughs> being at university. Uh, moving on to baseball, just a few uh, hirings in the front office. I want to talk about Craig Breslow, um, who was recently hired. We, we chatted with Gabrielle Starr about him. That, that makes, you know, we're adding to the number of Jewish executives in in the Major League Baseball. Um, yeah, he's now the CEO or, or, or Chief Baseball Officer uh, for the Boston Red the Sox. The CBO. Like, the CBO. The CBO. And uh, Gabe Kapler was, was recently hired as the Assistant GM for the Marlins. Uh Probably there's some growth opportunity there. You know, they lost Kimming this year. So uh, room for him to sort of move up in the, in the front office potentially in the future. It, it's also, well, while we talk about baseball, I just want to go back for a second and mention that that one of the prodigal sons, a Jew, has returned to the homeland, um, which is to say that Brad Osmus has joined the New York Yankees as their bench coach. Oh. Um, so as of about a week ago, maybe 10 days ago, uh, you know, he was manager of, of, of Detroit, manager of uh, uh, right, Los Angeles, and now after a year in Oakland, the next bench coach of the New York Yankees is Brad Ausmus. Um, So between him and Harrison Bader, were you know the traditional Mets territory is slowly infecting uh, the traditional Yankees territory. All right, let's take a quick break and then come back with uh, eight stories of Jewish sports for eight nights of Hanukkah. <laughs> uh, I want to start off our, our first story with something that you know has been a I don't know, a touchstone for our, our podcast as long as we've been doing it, something we've always been focused on, which is Team Israel Baseball. Uh, Team Israel participated this year in the World Baseball Classic uh, in the you know the fourth edition, the delayed fourth edition of the WBC, right? Because there would have been a there would have been a tournament, uh, or sorry, I think it was the fifth one, but there would have been a tournament in 2020, but then there wasn't because of the Olympics and because of COVID. So World Baseball Classic came back. Israel had automatically qualified because of its success back in 2017 uh and things started off strong uh israel won a game against nicaragua uh it won 3-1 thanks thanks uh, to a, a magical hit from friend of the pod and former guest spencer horowitz um yeah and we should came say spencer and and had a, a big big mocker moment lined sinking and it gets down base hit 
Here comes a pinch runner, Goldfarb. Here comes a throw way over the head of the catcher all the way to the backstop. Israel's tied the game, and now they're set up to go ahead. I, I, I remember trying to stream the game in the parking lot of a trampoline uh, facility that my daughter was going to a birthday party at while she took a nap in the car and <laughs> trying to keep it down while, while Spencer had his hit big hit. Um, so they won that first game in Miami, you know, in front of a, cra- a crowd of 20,000. I think it was, it was pretty exciting for everybody. Uh, but unfortunately did not find a way to duplicate that success. They, they got perfect gamed. Uh, by, just just by a little Rico. bit. Yeah. They got perfect gamed uh, in, in eight innings by Puerto Rico. It wasn't ideal. Uh, they got blanked by Dominican Republic as well and, and then lost to Venezuela. So not a great showing. However, they did automatically qualify for the next world baseball classic. So, uh, you know, Israel baseball is still strong, um, still, still, still doing well relative to, you know, the country's baseball history, let's say <laughs> the, uh, the young I mean, baseball history and, and the game is growing. Um, that, that should lead right into story number two, uh, that I wanted to mention, which is that Israel baseball has a new manager. Uh, it had it going into the season and that's Ian Kinsler, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. Detroit tiger, and Texas Ranger, former All-Star, who's who's been retired now for the last uh, four or five years, I'm going to say. Uh, he's now part of the Texas Rangers organization. And I think it was an incredibly meaningful moment, what happened uh, during the uh, Texas Rangers' time in the Ex- World Series. Extremely emotional moment. Yeah, when Ian Kinsler came out in a Team Israel jersey and threw out the first pitch. Um, that was, I think, a really big deal. Uh, especially in the events in the aftermath, the events that occurred on uh, October seventh, to see, you know, he he had. Uh, sorry, it was during the ALCS, not the World Series. Yeah, just confusing the timing. Um, on the other side of the field, uh, playing for the Houston Astros, Alex Bregman uh, had drawn him again to veed on his hat during some of the games, uh, and that was shown. I think it was a you know a moment of real support in baseball and sports. Similarly, uh, both, Israel both, and both of them appeared in the video curated, um, in addition to Spencer Horowitz, curated by um, Mr. Kevin Euclid, who we talked about on our, our previous episode with Gabrielle Starr. Yeah. Um, talking about being uh, proud to be Jewish in, in yarmulkes or hats or, you know, straight at the camera with their, their uh, 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 let's call it chutzpah. Sure. So I thought that was a beautiful moment. Uh, it was really exciting. Nice to see everyone react in a positive way at that time uh, to what Kinsler was doing. So, uh, kudos to him and you know we'll, we'll keep following Israel baseball uh, you know the WBC isn't for a few years but there's always stuff going on European baseball cl- uh, championships uh, other qualifying events things like that I, I, I think there's no baseball at the 24 Olympics but 28 sounds like it might be happening or it might be on the table um, mm-hmm. so uh, you know uh, it's, yes. it's, it's, there's always stuff going on for Israel baseball um, moving on to our, our third night third story uh, something a little closer to home, Gabe, which is that you and I had a chance to cover uh, the 2023 Canadian Open, which took place at Oakdale Golf and Country Club in Toronto, uh, the traditionally Jewish uh, country club. The creation of such an iconic moment from notable non-Jew uh, uh, Nick Taylor, <laughs> but you know, such an iconic moment uh, hitting a putt on the windy 18th green from forever right. away that his iconic putter throw is now the logo of the Canadian Open. Wow. Um, so much so that Nick Taylor, you know, Oakdale, the Oakdale moment is enshrined in, in Canadian golf history forever. Good pace. Are you serious? Oh, 
my goodness! Glorious and free! Gabe, you're you're a little more familiar with Oakdale than I am. I mean, you've played there a few times. You're you're uh, you family members who are members mm-hmm. there. Uh, how did you feel it, it it acquitted itself as the host of the Canadian Open? To answer your question, Jamie, I think Oakdale did amazing. Um, yeah, I, I think it was not shy about being sort of a, a more urban and creative course than a lot of these tournaments have seen. We're used to a, a lot of really sort of lush. Look at the Hamilton Country Club. You know, it's got okay a, sure. a spectacular sampling of the entire Carolinian forest on its property. Um, or you look at, you know, Glen Abbey, which is this, these epic, huge greens and wide fairways and big drops and lakes and such like that. Oakdale isn't that type of course. It's a right. hundred years old. There aren't a lot of flat lies. It goes up and down. Um, and they were really clever with the way they, they chose to build the course in that you know, the front nine was incredibly difficult. There there were a few holes, three, four, five, and six, I think, in a row that played as some of the hardest holes on tour this entire year. Um, and then after that, the back nine was sort of a race to the finish. That led right. to sort of a birdie festival between uh, Nick Taylor and Tommy Fleetwood at the end. Um, so I think the course did amazing. It created an iconic moment. It provided a challenge. Um, you know, even Rory McIlroy uh, uh, during the tournament said how much he liked playing on Stanley Thompson courses. Um, and, and how good of a challenge it was and how much fun it was for him to play it. You know, he's a, a loyal Canadian open uh, player. Um, and I think he had a lot of fun at Oakdale and, and I think they're excited to host it in a couple of years when it goes back. Yeah. So I, I hope that we'll get a chance to go back there in 2026 to, uh, to cover it. And, you know, we wish the, the club well with recovering from the tournament. Obviously it's a huge undertaking to do it. Uh, I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll be, you know, back up and running 2024 as normal. Um, without any interruptions, but to talk, to to talk see the, from a, the Jewish, a Jewish club, and, uh, and business perspective, I think former guest Lawrence Applebaum was completely thrilled with the way the tournament uh, showed. Yeah, and, and we'll see what happens in the future because I think the Canadian Open is sort of in flux um, in terms of you know being on a rotating schedule. I think they want some more uh, a, a more concrete rotation, and we'll see if if Oakdale can be a part of that in the future. Who knows? Um, moving on to story number four, the fourth night. Uh, this is, you know, we're filling up this side of the, of the Hanukkah. Uh, I want to talk about a really, a really standout year in Israel soccer. This has been, uh, a, a real breakthrough in lots of ways. Um, the first thing that happened this year that was big was that, uh, Israel, first of all, rerouted the tournament location because Israel qualified for the under 20 world cup in men's, in men's soccer, uh, and the tournament was supposed to be hosted in Indonesia, and they said no. Not, not the friendliest uh, country to outsiders, I think we can say, generally speaking, about Indonesia. Sure, but they were welcome. They were, they were willing to have outsiders come uh, who weren't Jews, uh, or, or I'm sure they would say, oh, it's just that they're Israelis. Uh, but regardless, uh, it was rerouted to uh, to South America, to Argentina, uh, and Israel came in third. You know, it had this amazing run. Uh, lost in the semifinals, but won a third place game against uh, South Korea. I Truly believe. incredible for, uh, for the young, the young men. And by virtue of that, it qualified for the Olympics as well. They, mm-hmm. Remember that was part of it as well. They had to get yeah. to a certain point to qualify uh, for next year's Olympics in Paris, which they did uh, because the Olympics are a. I can't remember all the machinations. The, the Olympics are like U twenty three or U twenty one. I can't remember. So mm-hmm. it should be most of the squad U, that U23 was U twenty three is the Olympics. Yeah, and uh, the. Israel, uh, the the senior team, has not yet qualified for next year's Euro, but it is in the running for qualification for the Euro. Um, so it finished in third in its group 
uh, for qualifications. And that means that it's referred over to the Nations League, uh, like sort of a play-in tournament. So but yeah, there's the still a chance. Tournament. Exactly. So there's still a chance for Israel to make it to the 2024 Euro, which is pretty exciting. And the women's team just went 5-1 and one in group play in their Nations League and got promoted up to the B level of, of their Nations League. So... Uh, you know, it, I think it's really uh, it, it's really boom times for Israel soccer, especially on the young on the younger front, uh, and that's very exciting. It's it's really interesting to watch a country. You know, we've talked about this in Israeli hockey and Israeli baseball, but a country that had almost no international sports presence, like play its way up from the very bottom to be in the A tier of the world. Like right. you know, you're not. It's not like you can just you know we have a soccer team. We're going to play against uh, Spain and Italy tomorrow. Like you sort of have to win (laughs) through these small levels. Um, You know, over the last 15 years or so, Israel has started to win tournament after tournament after tournament in that BC tier um, and continue to to bring their way up into now, at least for the U20, which represents the future of the country's team to third in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Israel has this unique difficulty of having to qualify in in the UEFA along with uh, with with most of the European teams, uh-huh. uh, as opposed to in you know along with the Asian teams, mostly just because the, the most of their Arab neighbors, I don't know, would revolt or that's just the way it's been done uh, for, for long enough that they're going to, yeah, fine. But regardless, they they have this uphill battle. You know, qualifying for a World Cup is going to be difficult, even with the expanded field. The next World Cup, but obviously it's something we'll continue to focus mm-hmm. on. Um, I think not until after Euro, right? They don't start qualifications until like 2025, I think. But uh, that, that'll be exciting to watch as well and see how this team translates. You know, Man- Manor Solomon, uh, who's on the senior club now, uh, you know, at, is playing for Hotspur. Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, yeah, after after being loaned out to Fulham uh, at, at the end of last year, I think, um, or at the beginning of this year. But, um, you know, exciting to see how he does and, and hopefully has a good run with a traditionally Jewish club in Tottenham. Exactly, and it's been a really big year for Tottenham. You know, they are challenging for the, you know, challenging for the championship. Um, and as Solomon is sort of part of that, uh, hopefully feeling you know healthy and better. You know, there's there's obviously a lot of he's had some health challenges uh, staying on the field, but you know he's on the squad. He's you know one of eight forwards. He's 24 years old. He's pretty young. Like he's got a bright future ahead of him, and and yep. hopefully it's with a team that's got a chance to really do some damage. Uh, nights five and six, I wanted to dedicate to uh, our national pastime uh, up north. I'm, cor- of course, talking about hockey. Uh, so two hockey, two hockey stories I want to talk about. One is about Andrew Crystal, uh, and he was the first Jew drafted in the NHL this year. Uh, not the first Jew ever drafted, but he was the highest picture Jewish player this year, uh, and he is just killing it in the WHL this year, crushing it in Kelowna, um, averaging yeah. a, a truly spectacular two points a game. Unreal. Um, which is, you know, at any league of hockey, that's pretty exciting to see. Um, Washington, you know, he's an offensive defenseman. I think he's leading the WHL um, for de- points by a defenseman, um, which is a really impressive thing to do in a high-scoring league. Um, you know, Washington themselves, they're sort of a playoff bubble team. Um, and, you know, I think before the season's out, we could see Andrew coming up for at least a cup of coffee, maybe seeing if wow. he can make a difference getting a shot with a big club. You know, they yeah, have... I mean, he's gonna he's gonna turn 19 in February. It's pretty young to to make it to the show, but mm-hmm. uh, maybe just for for a few games, like you said, or so, fill in or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you get you know you get nine games before you end your rookie eligibility before you take right. a, a contract year out. So, you know, it's it's if he continues playing this way, it looks like he'll at least you know 
he mentioned on our show that he wasn't expecting to get called up. But, you know, there's at some point in the season, maybe if the team is is has a couple of games to burn one way or another, they could spend the nine games trying to get him some burn and see see how he plays, you know, given how much he's, you know, ha- have to say it, dominating the, the WHL right now. The other story I wanted to mention, night six, uh, is, and this is happening right now, right as we were taping this, uh, seeing how the sausage is made, and, and you guys can pinpoint when this is happening. Uh, but the Vancouver Canucks are hosting the New Jersey Devils tonight, and this is the first game, I believe, that's going to involve all three Hughes brothers. All is that correct? All three Hughes brothers. At least until there's a U.S. national team game next time. Hughes Day, it's been called the Hughes Bowl. It's had some other names <laughs> as well. And, uh, Dana, we've got three of the best young players in the NHL going head-to-head tonight. Quinn Hughes, Jack Hughes, and Luke Hughes. Speaking about- so, the, story number six is just the Hughes brothers' ascendance. Uh, Gabe, you said uh, when we were talking about this in preparation that it is possible that all three of them will be in contention for some some postseason uh, hardware. Absolutely. You know, we, we were talking about having a Jewish guy being the top-scoring defenseman in the WHL without even mentioning that a Jewish guy, as of this recording, is the top-scoring defenseman, defenseman in the NHL. Um, you know, last year, Quinn Hughes had a really spectacular season, letting, leading him to be named the captain of the Vancouver Canucks, only the second Jewish captain by our count in, U, in NHL history. Um, and he has answered the call and then some, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the first month of the season, he was the leading scorer in the entire NHL. Um, and now, you know, only fighting for that title against his brother, Jack, uh, <laughs> but you know, Jack Hughes, he's battled a couple of injuries. Um, but when he's healthy, he is maybe the most dangerous player in the NHL right now in terms of points per game. I think he's still leading the league. Um, even though there's a couple of guys that are ahead of him in total points because Jack missed a couple of weeks, um, you know, right. cup with a, a hurt shoulder. You know, he's 10th in the league in points, but he's played seven fewer games than everybody ahead of him. Amazing. Um, it's truly and amazing. And what about, uh, what about baby brother Luke? So baby brother Luke is the third one. Um, you know, as we go right now, Quinn is, just going earlier, Quinn is likely uh, the top candidate for the Vesna Trophy right now. Vancouver is one of the top teams in the league, and Quinn is is the leading. Sorry, the Vesna? I thought the Vesna's uh, Sorry, goalie, the Vesna. Uh, I meant to say the... Um, Norris is the uh, the player for the top defenseman okay. in the league. You know, he's up with perennial candidate Kale McCarr sort of against each other right now, tied for the leading defensive scorer. But, you know, Quinn is a, a uh, extremely good plus minus on a very good team as the number one defender, um, really taking the next step. Jack, you know, leading the league in points per game, even though he's not leading the league in points just because he's played fewer games, but he's had sort of a really, really spectacular start. And perhaps the best rookie in the league has been the third brother, Luke Hughes. So really, wow. Uh, also on, also on New Jersey. So we're talking about a scenario in which Jack could win the Hart Trophy for MVP, Quinn could win the uh, Norris, and Luke could win the Calder for Best Rookie. So not only you know we're getting this earlier, we got three brothers in the NHL that wow. hasn't happened in a long time. We got three Jewish <laughs> right. brothers in the NHL that hasn't happened, I think, ever. And now yeah, we've probably got never. three Jewish brothers, all of whom are award candidates. It is not to get too excited here quite a time for Jewish hockey quite, quite a time and I should say for American listeners you guys should get excited because this Hughes uh troika I think <laughs> at, on team team USA for the next decade the next, uh, yeah and hopefully the next Olympics like I think that is going to be a fun fun story and exciting to see Absolutely. Um, so we wish we we wish all the Hughes brothers luck uh 
I, I'm cheering for the Hughes brothers tonight in this uh, Canucks Devils game as soon as uh, we get off. Agreed. That's it. We're just hoping for the for the Hughes brothers. One thing also to mention, you know, one of the only players ahead of the Hughes brothers, any ahead of Quinn or Jack in, in points is we're going to go with sort of Jewish Artemi Panarin. Um, okay. You know, definitely yep. Jewish by blood, has a Jewish grandmother. Um, however, Seems like he, it, yeah. you know, is a very religious Baptist Christian. Um, right. But, you know, he, he comes from the Jewish, you know, bloodline, um, but is, I would say, non-practicing. Yeah. Uh, so story number seven, which is something we haven't talked about before, is a, is a recent story. Uh, but we want to talk about because it it's a pretty important one is that uh, Mark Cuban has sold his majority stake in the Dallas Cubes. Mavericks, sold it to another another Jewish person, Miriam Adelson, uh, the the will, widow of Sheldon Adelson, Sheldon Adelson, uh, yes. the, I... the, the casino casino magnate billionaire. Um, and the reason why is is sort of unclear. I mean, I think that there's some people are talking about different licensing issues of the regional sport networks collapse. I I don't <laughs> really know. Um, Mark Cuban also quit Shark Tank, which he'd been on for for a while, yep. um, and and had a lot of success with. Uh, I don't know what his next step is. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's selling you know these cost plus uh, pharmaceuticals that he's been working on uh, providing philanthropy, running for president. I have no idea, um, but it's exciting. I mean, Cuban's been, I think, one of the most public owners in the last two decades. Like, I, you know, he's been a he's been one of the few. He was really the one of the first guys to become like. A presence, certainly in basketball. I mean, who do you have before that? Jerry Jones, maybe. Like, he, he was a real guy, it's, a, it's, a real you know, he known is, he is, And he's still going to run the team. You know, he's right. like one of the most most notable, I would say, owners in sports. Um, and you know, probably Jewish and Zionist owner in sports. One thing, you know, interesting. He just to talk about Miriam Adelson a bit. Um, she's led a pretty spectacular life, born and raised in Israel. Um, you know, her, her parents escaped Poland just before the Holocaust and rose to be an extremely notable doctor in Israel. Wow. Um, and, you know, sort of married Sheldon Adelson 30 something years ago um, and has sort of been just like Cuban, a big forefront in the uh, prescription drug industry in North America. Um, you know, she was a, an eternal medicine doctor and she specialized in drug use pretty much her entire career. Um, Interesting. and you know, now, now that she's in America outside of Israel, um, is not just making a difference. It seems in the casino world, um, as the Texas thing, as the Texas deal seems to imply with Cuban, um, but also spends a lot of, uh, time and energy about, you know, supporting Jewish causes and, um, you know, uh, uh, positive health outcomes, I would say for people in America, just like Mark well, Cuban. I think both of them will be interesting people to keep an eye on. I mean, Cuban, I don't think is, he's not going away. Certainly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's, he's going to continue to be an outspoken person and, uh, you know, still be involved with the Mavericks as well. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, finishing up our festival of lights. Uh, I wanted to talk about one last story, uh, a festival festival of, of turning out the lights. Yeah. Um, so the festival so this is a story, Festival of uh, Let's Get Ready to Rumble Nights. Festival. Of, I'm trying to think of a big sport night and metaphor. Festival of Sports Nights, we could say. Yeah, this is one that I want to. You know, it just right now it it feels a little relevant and and exciting. So this is uh, a story from this past summer about Jewish Israeli uh, UFC fighter Natan Levy, who has you know had success in the MMA in the MMA, who challenged a white supremacist, a supporter of. <laughs> 
Uh, Nick Fuentes is one of those online rabble rousing white supremacists. I, I don't really pay much attention to who that mm-hmm. is, but challenged his supporter to fight him in the ring. And he, again, a professional MMA fighter. Uh, and this, you know, I'm going to say goofus looking. Uh, <laughs> I think goofus is like, like generous. If, if you guys were yeah. to imagine you guys, you listeners, what a anti-Semitic internet troll would look like. I think you'd be almost there. Well, the guy basically, he, he really had like troll doll hair, a chin strap beard, gets into the ring with Natan and just gets his claw cleaned. And I, I don't know what to say. Sometimes it's nice to see an anti-Semite uh, get beat up. And um, I thought that was a great story from this year. One, one thing that's really great about this is during this fight, you know, Levy is is holding on to the anti-Semite, saying, yelling like, Jews are not evil. Jews are not, you know, say right. that Jews are not evil. Um, and sort of forcing him by submission to renounce his anti-Semitic views. Come on, finish it! Sorry, dude. Keep going! No, no sorry! Shut up! Sorry! What the fuck do you mean, sorry? Shut up! Get out! Which is something I think that every anti-Semite actually goes to bed, like, physically afraid of. Yes. And I think we should see uh, an ever-growing amount of anti-Semites in the octagon with trained (laughs) Jewish (laughs) MMA professionals to do a little jujitsu on them and uh, make them them tap out. Six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. Murdered. Murdered in the Holocaust. Okay, that's good. That's why I thought that was a great story. Um, so there you have it. I mean, I think that's, you know, that that's a, that's a wrap for, uh, Kislev 5786. Oh, I, I can, I can never remember what year it is. I'm still writing um, 5785 on all my checks, but, but I, I want to mention Jamie, I want to thank you for being the Shamash of our Hanukkah of Jewish sports stories that you were. Oh, thank tonight. you. That's, that's very nice. It's, um, it's 5784. 5784. I, I so, okay. so, so, so you've, uh, you've been postdating all your, all your, I've been postdating all, all your my checks. checks. <laughs> A lot of my business suppliers are going to be very unhappy when they figure this out. <laughs> They're um, going to be unhappy with you writing that date on their checks in the first place. But yes, uh, I, yeah. I don't know. I uh, I do work with many uh, many people of the Jewish persuasion. Well, let's leave, let's leave it there. I think we're going to leave it there for for the for the uh, common format year of 2023. Um, we'll see everybody in the new in the new uh, new secular year. Uh, we wish everybody a, a happy Hanukkah. Uh, you know, we wish our, our producer, Mike, uh, a Merry Christmas a ver- as well. A very Merry Christmas uh, and happy kind of Hanukkah with his children and family. Before we go, I have one very last quick thing to mention. We talk a lot on this podcast about Mike Jacobs All-Stars, um, people whose okay. names sound Jewish but are not. Um, I would like to introduce you to a player for the Prince George Cougars of the WHL. In discussing Andrew Zimmer, or Andrew Zimmer, I'm sorry, in discussing uh, Andrew Crystal, finding him... He is a boy from Mayerthorpe, Alberta. Okay. Um, there's no interest that he is Jewish, but I would like to introduce you to Prince George Cougar um, star right wing, Cohen Zimmer. Wow. Cohen Zimmer sounds like a law firm I've dealt with. Yes. Cohen Zimmer, I think, sounds like a name that a non, an anti-Semite or a non-Jew would make up as a Jewish person. Um but Cohen Zimmer is not Jewish. Um, right. We have the sort of the Jaden Schwartzes, that sort of type group from rural prairies. Um, but Cohen Zimmer, and I want to spell his name for you, pronounced Cohen sure. Zimmer. It is K-O-E-H-N, pronounced Cohen. Okay. 
Z-I-E-M-M-E-R, pronounced Zimmer. So it could be Kean Zimmer or Cohen Zimmer, really, if you're you're looking at it that way. But according to the pronunciation in the uh, uh, media guide, it's Cohen Zimmer. Wow. Cohen Zimmer sounds like uh, that's like the the uh, the vocals listing on some tracks from Death of a Ladies Man. Uh, <laughs> uh, assuming 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 Bob Dylan is uh, credited under somewhere. his original name. Uh, so, so, somewhere. <laughs> Cohen Zimmerman and uh and Ginsburg. That's exactly like, uh, Cohen Zimmerman <laughs> Ginsburg. That's great. Uh anyways, that that's pretty great. That's a great Mike Jacobs all-star. I hope he has a happy Hanukkah uh as well. If someone if someone confuses him for Jewish. Uh and I hope all our listeners do too. I mean I mean, you know, this has been an interesting year for us. Uh we love doing this. We're gonna keep doing it uh as long as they'll have us. And uh, you know, focus on all the great Jewish sports stories, focus on the good. Uh, all the great things we want to celebrate That's about Judaism and Jewish sports in 2024. We're here to spread Jewish achievement and not necessarily, um, you know, spread hummus, not Hamas, as they say. Sure. Uh, as always, we're produced by the Canadian Jewish News. Uh, our executive producer is Michael Freeman. You can find our podcast on the Canadian Jewish News website, uh, the cjn.ca. And follow us on Twitter, uh, where we continue to have a presence for some reason, uh, at Manchwarmers, uh, for, you know, Jewish Sports News. Are we not calling it X now? Ah, whatever. You know uh, what? I think I think we're, we're part of the great replacement of X, as Elon Musk would believe. All right. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, we're, 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 he's back on our side, maybe. I don't know. I mean, he's not chasing us off, so who cares? Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I try to spend as little of my time as, as possible thinking about people who, uh, who bring me no pleasure. Uh, but yeah, follow us on Twitter at Menchwarmers and you know, you'll know you get tweets from us about uh, Jewish goings on during during this holiday season. And please like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us. See you in 2024. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.